You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. This podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths, and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. I'm Kath Brew from drawntoastory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences of positive change with a particular interest in identity and belonging. And today I'm joined by Kate Tuckwill. Welcome, Kate, to the podcast. Could you please share with listeners a little about yourself and why you're here today? Uh, hello, Kath. Thank you very much for having me on. So my name's Kate Tuckwell. That's my married name and, and the name I go by in day-to-day life but I'm also known as Kate Woodthorpe and that's my professional name and I am an academic who specializes in death and dying I'm a sociologist by background and we probably met about 15 years ago which I can't (laughs) quite believe no um it's your fault that I'm married to Ange we met at your conference (laughs) oh it's fantastic it's it's just yeah the way that the world works these sorts of webs of of things it's it's quite lovely isn't it yeah but but I'm here now to talk as a mum as Kate Tuck while I'm talking to you about my children but specifically my second child who was born he's he's called William Uh, he was born with Treacher Collins syndrome which is a syndrome that some listeners may know about from the book and the film Wonder which is the syndrome that the main character Augie uh, is born with and it's Mm. a syndrome that affects the development of the lower part of the face specifically the jaw during pregnancy so my son was born with quite a severe version of that and has quite a lot of medical complex and looks different because of it. Mm. That's such an important thing to talk about because I know you've had a lot of support over the years through the charity Changing Faces and I'm very aware of when I'm out and about and I'm watching how people interact with people and you can see people staring and they think that they're not obvious in what they're doing but you know that people are looking and I and I wanted to talk to you about this because I've been so impressed with watching what you've done over the years with your social media profile on Facebook as a friend that I watching how you talk about all the wonderful stuff but also you talk about the difficult stuff and I think you have a lot to offer all of us to know just how to behave better how to respond better how to just see you or even not see you like we would with anyone else that we walk past so I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming and I'm really looking forward to having this conversation and seeing seeing what comes out of it oh um, well thank you I think it, as time goes on speak to William himself as he gets older well, I will I will offer you the parents perspective but I haven't got a facial difference uh, myself so I can I can only say what it's like to witness it mm. and to feel that sort of sense of not defensiveness about it for him, but wanting the best for him. Yeah, absolutely, like any parent would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can only offer that perspective. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you, you know, I mean, ask away. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first question is, can you tell us more about your family and what family life is like? Well, we're a very normal family, me and my husband and my two children. I've got a daughter called Alec and she doesn't have the syndrome and a son called William who does. And we didn't know he had it when he was born. And it was immediately obvious when he came out that he did. And it was one of those life-changing moments. I, I, mm. I can vividly remember it now. It's a, of a moment where I knew that life would never be the same again. It was it was a profound, mm. very you know, probably the most profound moment in my life. I'd say, I mean, when he was born, it was an incredible shock. 
he went into neonatal intensive care for three months and mm. at two weeks old he was given a tracheostomy because he couldn't breathe um his biggest challenge I mean he's got many challenges but the the biggest one has arguably or the the life-threatening one has been that he has a small jaw mm-hmm. uh, but a normal sized tongue so his tongue sits over his airway so he can't breathe reliably or safely so hence he has a tracheostomy and a tracheostomy comes with a lot of well it's you know it's a it's a man-made airway Mm. for Mm. people who don't know it's a a hole that's made in your throat at the front and you have a little tube in it and it's to keep an airway open if your airway above that is compromised Mm. it can be life or death stuff and we did have Mm. life and death moments when William was very young and it was extremely difficult and he looks different he has no outer ears he relies on bone conduction hearing aids and he has a cleft palate so see he has a lot going on the last few years I think I, I sort of instinctively knew when he was born that it was really important that he has to be able to survive without us he has to be able to live without us as adults and he has to be treated wherever possible as a as a regular little boy yeah because he is Mm. he looks different on the outside but on the inside you know he's Mm. just a five-year-old who loves doing dance fights that's (laughs) that's his current thing and he loves dinosaurs and the flash yeah and and he i love the flash that's fantastic i (laughs) love the flash he needs to be allowed to be him exactly and and then all the pictures you put up and the way you talk like it just sounds like this amazing bundle of energy that you expect of a five-year-old and i wonder do you find yourself having to resist the cotton gloves cotton wool thing of protecting him but also letting him be that five-year-old yeah or definitely and that was really i'd say much harder when he was little and then we also the pandemic although it had its challenges lockdown i mean he grew he was i think gosh i think back he was born in 2018 so he was two when the lockdown happened so he was aged two till four so half his life was at that point was was in lockdown or sort of mm. semi-lockdown and I hadn't realised until all those restrictions were lifted that the skill and the confidence that it takes me as as his mum mm. to get him outside and to sort of face the world I had lost all that it came back quickly but the first few weeks were a reminder of how difficult it was in the first few months and years yeah. of his yeah. life of that confidence to to get out there. But it's paying off now, I'd say, yeah. it was because he is he. I mean, it has, I suspect there's more difficult times to come. But for mm. now, he's very happy in himself. Mm. Very, very happy. Yeah. I've never seen a picture of him not smiling and I'm sure I'm sure as a parent you see all the other moments but he just is like this bundle of joy like he's he's wonderful both your kids I love watching the photos and the videos you put up of them interacting as well and can you tell me a little about their sibling relationship and how they get on and and how your daughter feels about it all as well if you're able to to speak on her behalf of course yeah I don't I mean I don't really talk about Alex so much and Mm. that's that does her disservice because she is a fantastic person in her own right Uh, Mm. and she's a fantastic big sister they get on very very well we're very lucky in that way she doesn't know any different so she just sees William as he is and if if she sees comments or, or hears comments and sees stares she's quite robust in sort of shrugging them off I think that there is something quite wonderful about children and mine is still at the age where they're very quite simple creatures and I don't mean that in a patronizing way but I mean it's got that purity about them they're they're not cynical yet and they're not fearful they're just kind of like this is me 
this is what fine. this is what's what and this is what yeah. life is yeah that's what they're like that's what I'm like okay yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. get on with it yeah. uh, I said I suspect that as they get older and a bit more sort of psychologically aware and you know there's more issues about cliques and mm. friendships and fitting in I imagine mm. that those things will come out more but at the moment you know it, it's a good relationship yeah. and I think they both they both benefit from from it in the situation because I think they will be both be more tolerant and empathetic and bigger people because of it absolutely and there's nothing quite like having things like this within a family that as a child you just grow up and it's your norm and so you end up being these amazing advocates for the future as well there's nothing like life experiences to help you educate other people and to stop horrible attitudes or things that people might say to somebody it's fantastic so on that I was also wondering because of the amount of energy and effort that you therefore are putting into a a child like William because of his medical conditions how did, did you as a couple make sure that your daughter therefore was also not missing out like did you did you end up finding that you were putting a lot of your energies into him when realising that obviously equally she needs the same level of attention as a sibling. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes absolute sense. I'm kind of, I feel I like I'm waffling. Con- <laughs> not at all. And I will confess it's really, really hard. Uh, I mm. think anyone who's got siblings or children where one has more needs than the other would probably find this because the challenge we have is that William does have more needs he does Mm. require more input and more attention and I think sometimes Alex can feel very left out and she is part of a young carers group and I think that's what young carers is there for we also go to the local hospice because William is clusters having a life-threatening condition they have an incredible sibling team because they recognize the impact on siblings who can feel second best and and it is really really difficult and it's something that we're constantly trying to address and I don't think we get it right a lot of the time I think my husband and I are learning we're still learning about especially the importance of not letting her fall off our our kind of to-do list and that sounds awful I think we need to be kind of on it in the Mm -hmm. same way yeah I imagine will change as they all get older and you all grow up and there's different things come into play depending on how old they are and what the issues are going to be yeah Um, the the difficulty we have at the moment is that William because of his tracheostomy he has to be accompanied by someone who's tracheostomy trained at all times and that means he, he can't do play dates he mm. can't do after school clubs he can't do holiday clubs without someone mm. being there and with the nicest will in the world I don't think that should be me or my husband either because mm. other children are not being shadowed by their parents yeah. it's not mm. helpful to him so the difficulty we have therefore is that just as an example is that Alex will go off to a friend's house for a play date or go around for tea and uh, William can't and and he feels that he's missing out because she Mm. can go and see friends and do things and he doesn't like that but then she also feels he's getting more time with mummy and daddy and Mm. that she's being palmed off like we can't win we can't win that's that's really interesting isn't it how the different perceptions of the same thing that's fascinating yeah, yeah, so we, I mean, we manage it and it's okay. Yeah. We, they both know that they're loved very, very much for who mm-hmm. they are. So it's a bit of an insight into sort of day-to-day dilemmas that we face because of the difference between the two siblings. And having to make, having to work much harder for things that should be quite simple things like that are simple for anyone else that don't have these complexities. You're almost, it's almost like you're doing triple or quadruple or whatever, even more, the emotional effort to manage their emotional state. Is that a fair comment? Yes, I've referred to it several times 
many mm. times actually since William's been born that it's like parenting plus plus. Yeah. And yeah. and at times it can get really tricky because at times you're oh I've and I've written a short paper on this as an academic, but the, the I'm also his project manager, his nurse, mm. his mm. advocate. He has many many appointments. I'm a, mm. I'm his taxi service. I particularly me. I'm sort of many roles rolled into one beyond just being mum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How does that fit with your work? Because that must be a huge pressure when you're doing a full-time job as well. I've been really, really lucky. I I work at uh, the University of Bath and it's a big organisation and it's got an HR department. Mm -hmm. And I was able to talk to them about precedents that have been set with other people, about phased returns to work, about flexible working Mm part-time. So I recognise I've been in a very, very lucky position. I think you know, if I if I worked as a teacher or on shifts, patterns, yeah. or both me and my husband have jobs that are relatively autonomous, so we can flex. And we are, mm. in, if we have to take the afternoon off to take him to an appointment, that's okay. We can make it up in the evening, and we're mm. we're very fortunate that way. And I know many people aren't, and often people have to give up their jobs because yeah. of this. I I get very cross when I see all the media or the government stuff about disabled people and carers because I think this isn't necessarily lifestyle choice it's out of necessity that um, there are some disabilities and some caring roles that are just not compatible with work. Absolutely yeah and I think that's a really really important comment to make given how everybody and this is that's a very big generalization but society i'm going to say as a whole thinks that it knows what a certain person's life is like because they've seen for example like they've seen the film or read the book wonder like they think therefore that they know because they have a little bit of knowledge do you find that then there's judgments that come with that because people actually don't understand the reality of what you're living with what that really means and you're not being the helicopter parent or you're not demanding things that that actually aren't what you need does that come across do you find there's judgments from people I think if there are, I haven't really picked up on them. I think mm-hmm. broadly speaking, people are very, very understanding, very accommodating and recognise the challenges, but they, they can't possibly know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And then and, and I wouldn't expect them to. And similarly, I wouldn't expect to know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. I think the, the most important thing is to listen, mm-hmm. listen to what it's like to, to be in that position and to try and imagine, be as empathetic as you can be and accommodating for, for other people's challenges. But yeah, I can't, there's some things that I just can't do. I'd love to do if mm. if life was different, like getting more involved in the local community and volunteering and getting involved in local politics and all that kind mm. of stuff. But I know mm. I just could not do that. And every time someone mentions the PTA, I feel guilt for not getting involved mm. in the school PTA, the Parent Teachers Association. Mm. But then I also know, hang on a minute, you know, most other parents who are involved in it don't have a child you know with yeah. the uh, the amount of needs that William has so yeah. and that's not to blame William it's just the way it is and it, so we've got to got to sort of draw the line somewhere yeah have you found that difficult to have compassion for yourself then and be kind for both of you as a couple and also individually just have that compassion because I, I think a lot of the time people are very hard on themselves I think they are no I haven't actually I, I've expected more and more of myself and my husband <laughs> to be honest I think though that we are now William's at school, he's up and running, he's well in himself, mm. he's got friends. This is a time that my husband and I think are, oof, we can sort of breathe out now yeah. and perhaps be a bit kinder to ourselves and mm. each other to recognise what we've been through. Because I don't like bandying around the word trauma, but the first few years of William's life mm. were, I, yeah, I just 
there's no word to describe no, it really no. no having a child is massive anyway then having two children and introducing a new child to an existing child is massive and then dealing with this you kind of got parenting on one level but then you're learning another whole level of stuff on top of that and I imagine it does take its toll it's a huge amount to process emotionally but also just in terms of of William's needs and what that means for his future and how you want to care for him and, and Alex and all of that it's yeah I think it's I think it's absolutely massive and even if you're not calling it trauma I think from my perspective from how I would see it from if it was me is that there's it might not be trauma in that sense but it it still has the same impact like you're still having to deal with the outpouring of it does that make sense oh it does and i think i mean fundamentally it probably is there is some trauma in there because when i took had to take william to a and e last week he cut his head mm. open he's fine mm. but he cut his head open and i spent the evening in a and e and whilst we were there one of the alarms went off and i don't know if anyone's ever heard the alarms in a and e mm. or in intensive care but it's it's bone for me it is bone chilling uh, having spent three months in NICU with william and having the alarm go off for him once but also hearing it probably daily if not every other day basically that alarm it's a life or death moment is yeah. happening for someone in there and all the staff who are available run to it so anyone who can leave their patient goes runs because they don't know what staff they need and no. rather than call out for individuals and particular expertise everyone just runs to it and so when you hear that alarm you know shit yeah. Yeah. Sorry, excuse my language, but something no, you're allowed you know, to swear. something right. massive is happening in someone yeah. else's life right now. And I remember that alarm being pulled for William. It was horrific. And mm. so when I heard that alarm in A and E, I felt my my stomach did an absolute, mm. and, and I felt it. You know, a real. I felt cold, a cold mm. coldness right through me. And that was mm. a moment last week. And I thought, gosh, yeah, you know, you still, I still carry that with me. Probably never go. And mm. and that reminded me also that he was in that position of life mm. and death and I can't quite believe we got through that yeah it's not something that I've ever had to really think about I really want to thank you for that honesty because I think that's incredibly powerful and poignant I think those experiences are what a lot of people carry those kind of things and therefore I don't want to ever underestimate what the impact that is for someone else in what they're carrying and you don't even realize what you might be carrying until it until it hits you because it just becomes your your norm you're used to this this state now yeah and um, i have to say i'm quite surprised i haven't cried yet because tears i've realized over the years are never far away from the surface when i'm talking about william i find it very easy to tap into that the memories and the what we've been through and, and my worries for the future for mm. him so i am quite surprised you know half an hour in that <laughs> i haven't yet a little no, week, but you never no, know. No, well, 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 there's time yet. We'll see. <laughs> no, I don't plan to try and make you cry. But also, I think it's nice to reflect on that also and look at it. I mean, you're you're incredibly emotionally intelligent and aware and intellectual and, and you're the kind of person that you reflect on these things anyway. But I also think it's it's kind of nice just to stop and to look at those things for other people, because I know from when I listen to podcasts and there's a lot of things that you don't even realise until you hear someone else say something that, that makes you realise what you might be dealing with yourself. So, I mean, I am going to say the word trauma. The things with trauma is that you think you're OK with something and then it suddenly something one little thing can happen and just set you off entirely i i hear what you're saying so i'll also add those since william's been born i've developed a quite healthy obsession with reading books about bad life experiences and i think part of that is that similar thing of hearing other people other people have had mm. difficulties and overcome them or, or found ways to cope or the lessons that they've learned and the things i've yeah. learned from them and 
when he was born, a mantra for me, probably for the first 18 months of his life, was that this path has been trodden before. And I would say it so many times, this path has been trodden before, this path has been trodden. It became mm. like something I'd just say to myself, yeah. to remind myself that the other people had done this before me and us and yeah. and they had gotten through it yeah. and it would be okay. So I think there is huge comfort and solace to be found from either hearing or reading about other people's challenges in life, definitely. Well, it's sharing, isn't it? It just makes you less vulnerable and less alone than if you've got no outlet and no support and no one to talk to. I mean, it's any kind of shared experience. It's so important. I think that's the thing. When you're also mentioning about social media and always mm. putting pictures of William smiling on there and stuff. Well, it's I, I, I mean, I'm just as bad as the next person for putting on the glossy stuff. <laughs> but um, I think it's a relief to hear about the stuff that goes on behind closed doors to because mm. you know so much of what people see now or do or present mm. is very performed you know it's all performative oh, and it's just so I find it literally a relief yeah I think that to, to hear oh no it's not it's not all like that actually no it's so important we all know the damaging things of social media that it is a, a crafted and scripted scene and I think it's it is so good to talk about these things and it's why I've loved that you've been so honest as well about your life now and and I know you're probably not saying most of what what goes on but I think it's certainly given me a lot to think about so so I'm grateful for the way that you have navigated this journey I guess and I wanted to ask you at the beginning I mentioned changing faces is that where you found your main support where did you go for getting the support that you needed well changing faces is the uk's national charity for for people with facial differences and they were very very helpful at the beginning because well to know that they even existed i didn't know mm. they existed until william was born uh, but they also had some very helpful guidance on sort of key phrases that you can use with other people but mm. the biggest the biggest and most important source of support and probably remains so are the Facebook groups because William's syndrome is relatively rare one in 50,000 children are born with it right. and even then it's a spectrum of severity so there might in this country alone in the UK the whole of the UK there might be only five ten children with a similar severity of the syndrome to William's mm. and yeah. you'll never just bump into them no. so you have to go internationally you have to go into these big Facebook groups where there is an international cohort of people and there's enough of you mm. to really to understand it and empathise with what it's like and they've been a tremendous source of support also heartbreak because some children in mm. those groups have died because yeah. of their condition and that's extremely difficult mm. um, to deal with and I mean, for me let alone the parents and the yeah. families yeah. of the children I can't I cannot even begin to imagine what that is like but but those the Facebook groups are very very important and there's also a fantastic tracheostomy Facebook group which was was and remains a huge source of sort of technical medical knowledge for parents mm. so it's not just that's not just connected to the syndrome that's all children who've got tracheostomies but my goodness there's some I mean some people on there who were just incredible <laughs> and fonts of knowledge because mm. it's not just about the medical care needs it's also about navigating the funding system mm. about advocating for needs about mm. who you need to be speaking to for what I just there is so much going on in this country. It's like a whole subculture, actually, yeah. that I, you know exists. You know mm. that there are disabled children out there. You know that there are children with complex medical conditions. You know there are people who look different. But you kind of, when you're suddenly part of that world, it's a, it's a whole other new world. Yeah, you become an expert in something that you 
suddenly that, that you didn't know you were going to be. Yeah, and I imagine it's like, I mean, it's a completely random comparison. I'm just thinking, say if you got into fishing, that I, you know, I see people doing angling, but I don't know anything about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. And I have no interest in it whatsoever. But I imagine that there's a whole enormous community, you know, online and in real life, comparing mm. what they're doing, comparing equipment, asking mm. questions, deciding where to go, what to access. And, and you know, it's broadly similar suddenly in this new world this huge amount of knowledge and people who again trodden that path before that you can call on every time I think oh Facebook I just had enough of it I could not leave it because of those those groups are absolute lifesavers yeah that is the wonderful thing about social media these days is that network that helps you be able to function and do what you need to do it's so important I guess on that, I wanted to ask you also that because of the work you do, like we hear so often that people in society struggle to talk around about death, which is kind of the the work that you do, but also just around difficult conversations. I've discovered over the years that people often don't know how to have a difficult conversation about a subject that's emotional or a subject that someone might find challenging. Given that you deal with a subject that a lot of other people find challenging on a daily basis, now in hindsight, do you think that that prepared you in any way for having conversations that other people might find challenging around William's needs? I think not necessarily about the topic. I think what what my job equipped me for was that I was not scared of public speaking. I wasn't. I mm-hmm. was able to speak up. I was able to challenge things. I was able to read guidance and mm. the law. I mean, the law, but you know, the very basic things. I could read it quickly, understand it, and uh, and understand our rights or his rights to particular services and funding and and to make the case so I was in a very fortunate position that I was equipped already with a background that meant I could do that I see time and again on some of the Facebook groups parents who don't have that who are really struggling and I my heart goes out to them in that it's an absolute minefield Mm. I think I think also what I haven't said is that William and his birth was challenging in many, many ways, but also having to fight for him. And it is a fight. And parents use the word fight and there is no better word to describe it. The realisation that actually you have to make the case and continue to advocate for your Mm. child, for even a child in his situation where there is no question about his syndrome or yeah. what the, the implications yeah. of the certainty are. absolutely yeah yeah the, 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 there's no there's very little gray area about yeah. it and they will still try and cut funding they will still mm. try and find ways to not make provision and mm. i i that was as challenging to realize and to learn but possibly as his uh, than his his arrival and I suspect that maybe that's what it's like if you have no trust in public services from the outset and I've learned it in mid early midlife that actually I'm not so trusting now I guess yeah does that represent therefore that the public services there's a kind of a bandwidth of acceptability of that you can fit within it and if you're outside of that then you've got to fight fight for your life basically I think that they are just good driven by money I mean there are some incredible and I've heard many parent carers say this as well so I know I'm not alone Mm. Uh, but there are some incredible stuff out there and the problem is is that they then get lumped with lots of stuff and they burn out but there are many also who are driven by the bottom line and the bottom line is about saving money and it's finding ways to save money and and actually if your child or your family is, is collateral damage in that well 
yeah and that's that's yeah. just the way it is and yeah. so you have to fight in that way because if you don't well I, I don't want you know I don't want our family to fall apart I don't want to burn out I don't want my mm. marriage to crumble I don't want mm. our house to be repossessed so no. we have to we have to step up but my goodness that takes a lot of energy yeah I, I was just thinking you've got the skills to do it as well and you're talking about how tough it is like if you are a family that doesn't or you have no concept of how to even start that. I mean, it, I just hate to think what happens to some families. It's just awful. So I've heard anecdotally people say, well, it's, and it's the middle class parents who get so much. And I'm thinking, being one of those, I, mm. I, I, can, I, I can see why, because they're mm. the ones who can argue mm. and have the confidence. That is so wrong. It's who shouts the loudest. It, well, gets, so yeah. it's, it's absolutely appalling. Yeah. So do you feel that you don't feel that the help you need is, is available or is it that it, it is there, but you're just constantly trying to negotiate your, your piece of it? I think it's more the latter. I think it is mm. there, but you have to campaign for it and you, you have to be prepared to give a lot of time and energy and mental effort to continue that and I suspect that for a lot of people they just give up yeah. it's just too hard and I think that comes down to for me it was also it's skill set but it's also personality and and availability of resources my husband and I are both in jobs we can pay our mortgage but we have to continue to be able to pay our mortgage completely so yeah. we weren't going to give up we weren't going to back down and me give up work because then we would have to move house and we yeah. would have to move away from from all the support that we had built up for William in the yeah. local area which is just bonkers this is the thing isn't it, it makes the choice it's very black and white kind of choice you you kind of haven't got a choice and then if you can't cope then the other option is is not a choice either really you just it's awful to think how some people must be must be dealing with it i don't know how they do i honestly don't know how they do and, and what i have read also about a lot of parents carers of disabled children i've heard them say it's nice when people say i don't know how you do it and you're, you're a super parent and mm. how wonderful you are but there is also a very big reality of what else can you do yeah. what else could you do there is no mm. you know this happens and you have to step up yeah and it could happen to anyone because it's not just from birth it's anything could happen yeah exactly i heard a guy once and i have no idea who said it. i remember reading it somewhere where a guy was talking about ableism and he was talking about how we all think that we're able and we're not disabled but then he said actually you could flip it the other way if you look at old age as being a disability in that all these extra needs that you have he was saying that all of us are temporarily abled and actually the, it's the other that's the reality and I thought that's a really interesting shift not an ableist approach it's looking at which is the dominant it just shows the fragility I guess is what I'm trying to say of what we think we are we pretend that everything's all okay and this could happen a disability could happen to any of us at any point in our lives and I don't think most people are even dare to contemplate that no and aging is you know if you're lucky enough aging is going to happen to you as well and your body is going to start to fail yeah yeah I imagine for you two as a couple as well, you've no doubt had your moments that all couples do, but with something like this that you're dealing with, how has it impacted you as a unit, but also individually? It's been really, really hard. We have moments of great strength and playing to each other's strengths. And we have moments where it puts an enormous amount of pressure. But just, I think that's, that's parenting young children as well, to yeah. be honest. Ours, again, was just like the plus plus. I think... What it has done is, but, but it, you know, we, we will never know what it would have been like had Otherwise, this not happened. Yeah. Yeah. So what it has done is I think we're 
better now at recognizing each other's strengths mm. and they're quite complementary so i'm quite organized and driven and want to get stuff done and and i can multitask and move between things whereas my husband uh, nick is very steadfast he mm. very calm unruffled deals with things very methodically and sometimes it drives me nuts because I want to get things done faster but I also <laughs> really and, and I drive him nuts I'm sure because I'm just like relentlessly wanting to do things uh, but between us we've got enough within us I think to handle most situations yeah you've talked about the kind of stresses and, and the good things for you as a family if we then look at your external interactions with people what can someone like me what can we all do better to make it easier for families like yours where people or children have complex medical needs curiosity is it's okay it's good uh i think the the challenge that we have is on the one hand wanting william to have a normal life and to be normal but on the other hand to respect that he is different and it is mm. you know that's yeah. who he is and you can't deny that yeah. just like you can't deny someone's got blue eyes or mm. red hair or mm. it it's well, like you yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it would be. It would <laughs> I'm be, on that. I'm yeah, I blue eyes and red hair. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even um, think of that when I said it. But you know, it's not fair to suddenly sort of mm. pretend it's not there. What what I think is difficult. There are two reactions that that I find very difficult. One is when people, right in his face, say, "You look weird." Why do you mm. look weird? Tends to be children. Mm. But I find that, that kind of yeah. bluntness. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm contradicting myself, I realise, because I'm saying about how they're a bit simple. And... But that's the complexity of all the emotions around this. I, I don't think that sounds weird at all. I think it just shows exactly what you're dealing with, really. Yeah, I guess so. And it just is, yes, there is no right or wrong. But I think no. the second one that I find extremely difficult is then when parents are so embarrassed that they then shun their child away and, and shush, 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 don't, don't, do say, don't say that. Come on, come away. And that makes it shameful. And that's actually a poor parenting, actually. I would say yeah. a better response, in my view, would be a, you know, to say, oh, well, that's an, that's an interesting question. Can, who is, can, can we ask, yeah. you know, what, what's your name? Tell us, you know, can, can I ask your mum what, you know, who are you? Yeah. What are you about? I don't know how you'd word it, but to, to open up the conversation would be so much better than trying to shut it down. Yeah. Or even just like, what's your story? What, tell me about yourself or like that kind of stuff, because any suddenly pulling a child away, as you say, it shows that they're connecting, that this is something bad when actually for a child, they then associate a question or an inquiry which is a really good learning opportunity as being a wrong thing i've said this many times to many people but i feel very fortunate that william has been or i feel that william has is fortunate and he's been born in this time so compared to when i was growing up at school you know inclusivity just wasn't on the curriculum race yeah. and ethnicity wasn't there disability wasn't there so much wasn't there whereas now the school curriculum schools ethos is are uh, and and, and it reflects the population the, yeah. the, the population is much more or young people i think are much more accepting of difference and diversity mm. and i and they're you know the generation that he's growing up in and probably the generation ahead of him will be less judgmental or less um disparaging or yeah. discriminating yeah or just They'll more open better. to variety of life yeah yeah exactly. so yeah. and i think 
you know, I think he will reap the rewards of that. And there are people who are ahead of him. Like, so there's a guy called John Lancaster who's got Treacher Collins, who's just fantastic, absolutely mm. fantastic speaker, yeah. public speaker, talking about what it's like to have a facial difference. He's got a book coming out. Mm. There are people who are ploughing the field for mm. people like William to reap the benefits, essentially. Yeah. You know, they are they are, they are proper heroes to me. And, like, they are because yeah. they're paving the way for children like yeah. William. Yeah. Since like I've been aware of changing faces and I now follow their work and what they do and I therefore with the, the the social media algorithms I get their adverts and every single time I see them I watch the whole thing and I'm just blown away by the people that they have on there but also horrified at like learning about the reality of what people deal with and just how awful some people can be. And the message I've given to changing faces I hope on several occasions and i hope it gets back to them they're, they're about the ambassadors and the advocates mm. that they may not reap the rewards of their efforts right now but please know that they are what they're doing for the people who are coming mm. who are 10 years behind them is huge so mm. and i could cry out that because it is really huge um yeah. that as william grows up i really hope and i i think you know that he will grow up in a very different world and he won't have to hide away or he won't have to try to conform because actually people are going to, it's going to be, yeah. people are going to look hugely different anyway. Completely. And I think that me, I mean, I, I work in inclusion. I kind of network a lot with a lot of people who do diversity, equity, inclusion work generally. And there is a massive movement to just be more inclusive generally. So I do have a lot of hope for the future. But like you say, it's not necessarily immediately obvious it's it's going to take some time but i think it will come I, well i hope it will that's my my faith i don't know if that's naive or not but but it's how i i hope that things will go and where we will end up i hope so too mm. um, as we're going to wrap up any other messages or anything else that you'd like to say to listeners before you go i think the tagline from the book wonder when it came out and and you still see it being banded around i think actually why it was so successful is because it strikes a chord and it's be kind or choose kind mm. so when you see someone like William you have a choice about how to react you don't have to just gawp you, you could be curious mm. and and have a look at someone just as you would look at anyone mm. but you have a choice about how you do that mm. and you know looking and smiling makes mm. a big difference yeah so so choose kind I think is a, yeah. is a good way to end yeah, no, I think that's wonderful. And I think that's really powerful. I, I've often said around uh, subjects in terms of inclusion with people don't understand that you don't have to understand something to be kind. Like kindness is such a beautiful gift of humanity. And I think that's an absolutely perfect, perfect note to finish on. So thank you so much, Kate. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you or has any questions or or would like to hear more about what you do professionally as well, uh, what's the best way that for people to get in touch with you? Probably Twitter. So I work under my maiden name, Twitter. So that's Kate Woodthorpe. Um, I'm at Kate Woody Bath. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. And I'm also going to put a link to film and the book Wonder so that people can go and watch it if they don't know it already. It's a, a fantastic film. And I'll put, as I said, a link into to Kate's uh, Twitter handle. So thank you so much, Kate. I really, really appreciate your time. I know with we've kind of you negotiated to manage make a time when you could talk when the kids were, had gone to bed so I really appreciate your willingness to share your story because I know it is a, a massive thing that you're all dealing with and that it's a 
a complexity and it's an emotional subject and it's an important subject to talk about. So I hope that you were able to feel like you could talk about what you need to talk about. And just thank you so much for your for your time and for, for being on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for asking me. No, thank you.